0: Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, Sean Clayton.
1: And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. we got a great one today because, uh, and the great part is, I mean, we're talking to Bill Polian, six-time NFL Executive of the Year, and he'd been so involved in these, and he just wrote a book called Super Bowl Blueprints, Hall of Famers Reveal the Keys to Football's Greatest Dynasties. You know, and of course, the great part is, you know, he starts out. Uh, of course, uh, I don't know if you did if Bill you know, if you did Green Bay too. But also, it's like uh, you know, you got the Steelers, you got your teams that were involved. You know, Indianapolis and uh, you know certainly the Buffalo Bills and all that stuff. And so, it's great to see it. So, what got you on this book?
0: Well, we do have Green Bay in there. Okay. Um, the the um, uh, the, the home green Bay, the Lombardi Green Bay was uh, was was a little. Uh, beyond our realm, um, the, the folks at Triumph Books came to Vic Carucci and I and said, "You guys have another book in you." And we said, "Well, what, yeah, we think so. What, what, what do you, what would you like to write about?" And so they talked about trying to get inside what happens with a, a winning team, and and so Vic and I thought about it, and we said, "You know, there are so many great teams in the uh, '60s." Late sixties, seventies, principally seventies, eighties, nineties, and in the early two thousands, that you know, let's see if we can take a look at some of those teams. And of course, we bit off far more than we could chew. Mm -hmm. So in the in the early going, we said, well, we can't do the Patriots because there's number one, they're still playing, and and two, it would take three books to cover uh, what they've done, and. Unfortunately, with the 85 Bears, there aren't a lot of the, the, the key people who were part of that around any longer. Um, so that was a little more difficult to do. So we dropped those two out, and, and we ended up with uh, what amounted to an oral history from uh, teams starting with the Al Davis Raiders uh, which is going all the way back into the sixties with John Madden and, and, and company. Uh, and, uh, the steel curtain, uh, the, the Steelers of the seventies, the West Coast offense, starting with Bill Walsh and ending with uh, Mike Holmgren in, in, Green Bay, uh, Joe Gibbs and the Hogs, uh, Bill Parcells, Big Blue with the Giants, Jerry Jones, Jimmy Johnson and the Cowboys. Uh, Marv Levy and, and, and Jim Kelly and the no huddle offense. And then of course, Peyton Manning, Tony Dungy and the, uh, innovations that Peyton brought to, uh, quarterbacking in the NFL. And uh, we, we weren't going to include that in the first instance. And, and Phil Sims said in discussing with him, uh, you know, his days with the Giants and Parcells, um, Uh, He said, you know, Peyton Manning's changed how quarterbacks played from from grade school on up. And and I thought, wow, (laughs) that's interesting. And we talked a little bit about it, and I went back to Vic, and I said, let's let's include that. So that's who's in it. But what's more important is that this is, as I explained to the people that we talked to, um, I'm really, and, and to a lesser extent, Vic, uh, who's, who's really the super editor I'm really like the, the, the stage manager in our town uh, I just set the stage and, and talk about the context and then we let our, our, our guests go our hall of famers go and uh, we allotted an hour for each interview we never got one that went less than an hour and a half Wow! <laughs> and many of them went far more and the stories that they told, and the experiences that they uh, that they uh, brought to bear, in terms of owners, coaches, general managers, players, uh, were amazing. The overarching part of it, which I learned so much from, is that from a player's standpoint, the head coach. Is the be all and end all. He is the guy that controls everything that they do in their football life, every minute of every day. And, and you know, when you work in the front office, the head coach is a is a colleague. I mean, he's the guy that's in charge. He sets the tone. He sets the the, the culture. Uh, the X's and O's belong to him. But he isn't a even in the case of a Tony Dungy or a Bill Parcells, he's not, I don't think, to the front office people, and larger-than-life person. But to the players, he is absolutely larger-than-life. The second thing we found out through this book is that all of these teams have a number of things in common. One, ownership that's committed to the football people and winning. And supportive of that to a general manager or a personnel department, as the case may be, that can find the kind of players that the coach wants players that fit the coach's system. Three, a coach that brings a system of football that's unique. And new and innovative virtually in virtually every, in, in virtually every, every uh, instance and for a coach who though his per, their personalities differed dramatically, dramatically from one end of the spectrum to the other, from the cerebral quiet Tony Dungy to the boisterous uh, absolutely driven Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells, even though their um, their personalities differ, they are all charismatic leaders to whom their players attach and listen to and follow.
1: Was there a theme to uh, what the personnel office and the general managers are able to do as far as building the talent base? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, it was uh, even in the case of George Young and Bill Parcells, where famously there were public disagreements or quasi-public disagreements between the two. Bill makes it clear that when it came to the kind of football player that he wanted, he and George were exactly on the same page. I asked him that specifically. I said, you know, you and George had your differences over time. Did any of it involve the kind of players that he wanted versus the kind of players you wanted? He said, absolutely not. We both wanted the same kind of players. We believed in power football. We believed that it started up front. Uh, every every single person in, in the whole process, every 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 single one of these teams, uh, what was uh, the personnel department gave the coach the kind of players that he wanted.
1: Interesting, and so then. Uh... Of course, the one thing that's so interesting is how the game changes. Like, of course, I mean, I I covered all those, the four uh, Steelers Super Bowl teams and, uh, you know, watched how, you know, it was Bill Nunn, Dick Haley, uh, you know, Art Rooney uh, Jr., and how that all built up. And, of course, what they ended up having like uh, 10 uh, Hall of Fame players during that era. And then, of course, Bill Walsh came in and he changed the game. You know, with his ability to go with kind of a basketball type of uh, wide receiving group, group as far as pass catching, and that caught on. So how much did you see uh, going through the years, the changes that had to be made as the game was changing?
0: Well, the, the game was changing largely because of the individuals in this book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as you just pointed out, in many ways. Al Davis, was uh, a disciple of Sid Gilman and believed, most of all, in speed and the big play down the field, much of, much like what we see today. Um, John Madden changed the approach somewhat because he thought Al's approach was a little too offensive-oriented. So he brought a defensive approach to it, and the Raiders became, in the words of Joe Green the touchstone, the the, the the group that the Steelers had to beat in order to become preeminent. Interesting to hear that from an all-pro, all-pro, all-world Hall of Famer, Joe Green. Mm-hmm. The Steelers, of course, built the steel curtain. And, and it was, you know, depending on who you talk to, either the, the best or the second-best defense ever to play in the history of pro football. Uh, you can argue the eighty five bears and as we say in the preference you're welcome. <laughs> Whatever you like is, is is your is your prerogative. But they were they were absolutely dominant. And the interesting thing about that is how Chuck Knoll uh, controlled every aspect of that, having been a defensive coordinator with the San Diego Chargers. And then Terry Bradshaw talks about candidly and emotionally about the really poor relationship that he had with Chuck Noll for most of his career, uh, which of course is very interesting, given the fact that that team was so dominant during its its four Super Bowl run. Um, the The West Coast offense you talked about it speaks for itself. It was brand new. It was invented by happenstance because uh, Virgil uh, Carter had to become the quarterback and. Cincinnati when Bill Walsh was the offensive coordinator. He couldn't throw the ball down the field, so they had to invent a short passing game that, 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 that became the West Coast offense. Um, Joe Gibbs, interestingly enough, and he, he, these are some of the, the nuggets that come out in the book, was a Don Coryell disciple. He was a throw it all over the field. Air Coryell guy. From the time he was 17 years old as a player, until the time he became the head coach of the Washington Redskins, and he got to Washington, and found out that he didn't—he went zero in six—and didn't have the players to run here, Correa. And furthermore, he had to play against Lawrence Taylor in New York twice a year. And he said, "Whoa, we got to do something to to, to uh, counteract uh, Taylor and, and and emphasize the players that we have." So he had John Riggins. And he had the Hogs, and he invented the one-back offense, two tight-end offense, which, of course, had became a staple in the NFL. And he won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Totally because he was faced with a dilemma that he had to solve that went 180 degrees opposite his football upbringing. Um, Bill Parcells, uh, Big Blue, power of football. Uh, he, he was Many think, and he thinks, about three or four losses from being fired. And he said, "If I'm going to be fired, he told the team this. If I'm going to be fired, I'm going to be fired doing it my way. And you're either all in, or you're not. And if you're not, you won't be here." And he went on, of course, to construct that great dynasty in New York, which, of course, I was on the wrong side of in Super Bowl Twenty Five. Um, but, but purely because he was faced with either do it his way or lose his job. Um, In terms of uh, Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, um, Jimmy talks about going one and 15, uh, having no players, uh, being in a position where they had to do everything they could just to scrape together a team. And then of course, Making the trade for Herschel Walker, and inheriting Troy Aikman, and then building from there into that dynasty, which was again very much like the Giants. They were, even though Troy Aikman was a and is a Hall of Fame quarterback, they they were a run-first defense team, and uh, and it's and it's 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 amazing to hear Jerry and Jimmy talk so candidly in the book and so emotionally about their rift. And we titled the chapter, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson, what might've been, Uh, you know, who knows if they had been able to stay together, how many Super Bowls they would have won with that team. And then of course uh, the Buffalo bills uh, are a, an example again of a head coach who invented an offense simply because it fit the personnel that we had, and and, and we were better running the two-minute offense with Jim Kelly than we were doing anything else. So he and Ted Marcher-Broda and our, our great line coach Tom Bresahan sat down and said, okay, let's create an offense that runs a play once every 18 or so seconds. We call everything at the line of scrimmage. We keep it simple, and nobody – was better suited to that tempo and that system than Jim Kelly. Uh, And and it took us to four Super Bowls. And it came about because Marv sat down and said, uh, we've got to use our personnel to the best advantage we have. And so let's do it this way. So, And then, of course, in Indianapolis, Peyton changed the way quarterback was played because uh, even though we were no huddle, we weren't very much up-tempo it was all about his being able to decipher the defense, uh, uh, at the line of scrimmage and get us in the right play all the time. And, uh, and Tony Dungy, who brought Tampa 2 with him to Indianapolis, but was totally, totally a defensive coach in Tampa Bay turned around and said, well, you know what? I see, I'm, I see, uh, Marvin Harrison. I see Reggie Wayne. I see Edger and James. I see Peyton Manning. I see Dallas Clark, we're going, to, we're going to become a dynamite offensive team. We're going to use the weapons we have. So he effectively, at least from an X's and O standpoint, along with Tom Moore, our great coordinator, reinvented himself, and in so doing reinvent, changed the way offensive football and quarterback is played everywhere today.
1: And then finally, what to say about uh, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and the Patriots?
0: Well, uh, they, they deserve, you know, five books of their own. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but they really are, when you stop and think about it, they really are three separate teams. You know, when, when you do this research, a, a, a super team's lifespan is anywhere from six to eight years, you know, because of the salary cap, because of injury, Players don't play a long time. The average playing career is six years. Uh, You know, guys that if they play two years, the average is six. Um, So you're in a situation where those teams have a a lifespan six to eight years. So what Bill Belichick and Tom Brady did was build three separate championship teams over all those years, Uh, and that's impossible to chronicle in one book. So we didn't try, uh, but they are uh, they are a case study, uh, pre salary cap and post salary cap that um, really deserves uh, a, a, another in depth book by somebody that, that that can can really get into the heart of it. But one of the reasons we didn't try to attempt that is because Bill is still coaching and mm-hmm. Tom is still playing, and without their voices. Uh, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been anywhere near what was what was appropriate.
1: The book is called Super Bowl Blueprints. Hall of Famers reveal the keys to football's greatest dynasties on From Tri- uh, Triumph Books. And where can everybody get it? And how do we get it?
0: Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh-huh. and you can get it at your local bookstore. And I think the the most important thing about the book is. Uh, that it's really not Vic Carucci and I doing a narrative. It is the players, the coaches, the owners themselves telling you what it was like to be inside these great teams. Doug Williams, for example, talking about his career, how Joe Gibbs helped him when he was a lost rookie with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Joe Gibbs was an assistant coach. And only because of his love for Joe Gibbs did he come back after having retired from football to be the backup quarterback in Washington and then only to find himself on the bus on the way to San Diego Stadium to be the first black quarterback to play and to start a Super Bowl? It's an amazing story. It brought tears to my eyes when 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 Doug related it. Uh, Mike Haynes talking about his new teammate Darrell Stingley. Who was paralyzed by a hit from Jack Tatum with the Raiders. And, uh, Mike never getting over that and holding it against Jack Tatum for all those years. And they finally met Jack Tatum as an X Raider and, and, and Mike as a, as a Super Bowl Raider. And he relates the story of them sitting down and talking on a plane ride to a game and trying to resolve. That, that, that emotional conflict that lived inside Mike Haynes. It's things like that that, that will make the even the, the average fan excited, to, I think to read this book.
1: Hey Bill, this is a great one and I thank you so much for educating us and bringing us to it and I hope that I'm sure the book's going to do well because it's great history, it's great football and thank you for joining us on Schooled with the professor.